0: Arsenio's show is generally lighthearted, but from time to time he makes history. In the episodes we discuss here, for the first time a presidential candidate appears on a late-night talk show, and Arsenio broadcasts from the riots following the Rodney King trial. From the east coast of these United States, as far from Melrose Avenue as two people can be without falling into the Atlantic Ocean, this is Growing Up in the Dog Pound, props to Arsenio Hall with Jamie and Natalie. like that, we travel back in time to Boston College, 1988 to 1992. So, you know, normally at the top, we start with some story kind of about BC.
1: Mm -hmm. And
0: um, I thought of one for this one. It's not so much a story as a confession that I recalled a habit that I had when we were roommates, especially in those little dinky dorm rooms. A habit that I had that um, must have been kind of annoying to you. And so I want to apologize.
1: I can't remember any annoying habits, but go
0: ahead. Well, I recalled it because the habit resurfaced while I was preparing for this podcast. And <laughs> <laughs> what, what it was, was that <laughs> I was so excited to be at BC and to be learning what all we were learning. That, And I'm such a nerd that I would occasionally be overcome and have to read aloud to you from whatever I was reading. I actually enjoyed that.
1: (laughs) I do recall. I do remember that. But it was like, I I don't know. Anytime you brought something up, it was insightful enough. I mean, that's why we're BFFs, I guess. Whatever you thought was pretty cool that I... I mean, you knew I would appreciate it that otherwise I don't think you would have brought it up. I mean, maybe I'm giving you too much credit. Maybe it was just like you were so, you know, you know, <laughs> blown away by what you were reading that you didn't care who was listening to it.
0: But, I, I, you know, I, I, I always appreciated it. it well, always- I'm I'm glad to hear that because I want to read something to you today. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> The episode we're talking about first is uh, with uh, Bill Clinton and Hillary Clinton being interviewed primarily. And I happen to have a book kicking around the house that was um, an oral history of the Clinton administration. So different people who were in the administration talking about conversations they recalled or, you know, maybe activities they saw. And uh, this one really struck me. Awesome. It's from, I don't know this person, but maybe you know him. His name is William Galston, Deputy Domestic Policy Advisor. And he says, for the record, I will say that the president grew up without a father. But unlike a lot of other people who grew up without fathers, he rather enjoyed freedom. So he did not surround himself with father figures. Never did. Au contraire. People remarked that everybody in the White House was younger than he was which you probably remember that. That was kind of a thing at the time that like George Stephanopoulos was like 30. Right. But here's the interesting part. He was not interested in surrounding himself with peers and competitors or super egos. People who grew up without fathers tend, if you want to be Freudian about it, to grow up without a lot of super ego. The president, I think, did not lament the absence of a superego to an extent that some people regarded as almost pathological hmm wow, I know so I would have read that aloud to you in our dorm because you were a psych major yeah yeah that that's
1: interesting because whenever people talk about folks like him you know who were who were raised without a father figure there's always there's, there's always talk about an a void right and in mm-hmm. in inevitable void that happens and you know a lot of I mean it could be there could be very different things that can happen either they can resent a male figure in the in their lives. And, and, and lean more on the maternal figure, you know, and 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 get all of what you need from the maternal figure. Or you can go your whole life looking for that paternal absence. And then, you know, maybe from, a, you know, looking towards um, advice from a teacher and or a counselor or uncle or somebody mm-hmm, can, that can mm-hmm. fill that void for you. And it's interesting what he's saying is actually so different from anything I've ever heard of before. That that in this case, he rather he like, he, luxuriated, he thrived, yeah, in he, it. Yeah. yeah, he thrived in it. <laughs> I mean, maybe because he was so intellectually brilliant. I don't know if that was part part of the reason why or that's that's a very interesting ob- observation and not right? one that I've heard about before. Like I haven't, you know, sometimes when people say things like that, it's like highlighted in an interview or, you know, so, somebody will bring it up. I've never heard that before.
0: And I so. just, you know what it made me think of, too, because, you know, we're in the middle ourselves of watching impeachment on FX. Yeah. It made me think after that, many several years after that scandal, not during it, but a few years, I think after I was out of office, somebody asked him, you know, what in the hell were you thinking? Why did you have that affair? And do you remember what he said? Well, if I recall,
1: he Made it sound like he was just going through so much stress and that it was a release of tension kind of thing.
0: I think he did say a, f- a couple things like that. But mm-hmm. the thing that he said that made news was um, I did it because I could.
1: Oh, you know, I don't recall him saying that, but that ties into what he's saying very accurately that, you know, that because I could. So there's a lack of moral, you know, of, of a moral compass there, you know, like I, I can and I and I'll do it. I'm going I'm to see There's even a the lack of,
0: of moral compass there in saying that, in my opinion. Like Right. And, and actually, he's much more careful than that. So I'm surprised that came I know. out the way that it did. I think it was in some other language, you know, like. Like you said, like I was stressed and this and that, and I bottom line that was you know wrong, and uh, I I realized that I was reaching for uh, some coping mechanism, and that was what I could do. I did it because I could, and I, I don't think he meant it to come out like a blockbuster, but um, it kind of did. And I just thought if you said that today in Me Too culture, that would be pretty bad.
1: Right, and assuming that because i always assume the very best in people assuming mm-hmm. that he looks back at that part of his life and even further back back when he was even younger during his governor years and he says to himself boy i was so out of line back then assuming that he's grown mhm he still has some growing to do if if that if those words can still i mean i think that there's there's been a great amount of refle- reflection on his part as far as how his behavior has affected him his family you know what, what kind of historical um uh, impression it's left, all of his, you know. I, I think that he's he's a smart guy. He's a, he's very intuitive. I think, and I think he must realize that, you know, he was not in a great place. But there's still like the fact that he can say that years later still shows that there's still some growing to do. There's still some, you know, something you know, there's something wrong in in how he. That or you can
0: say that as a public person. It's one thing to say it to your friend and then say like, you know, it was dead wrong, but that was what was in my mind. But that's a major error to say that in a public interview. I agree with that. And it's
1: funny because I do recall, you know, when he, when he was making statements like that, and I, I guess he's done several interviews and he's discussed it. But I think more most recently, Monica Lewinsky was pretty offended that he looked looked at her as like some kind of meal that was just there that he could just grab and eat or something like that, that there was not more to the relationship, that she always felt that there was definitely more to the relationship than just sex, you know, that there were a lot of long conversations and, and, you know, and insight, insightful conversations apart from the, the sexual part. Yeah. Um. So, wow, interesting. The lack yeah. of the superego that he likes, because, you know, I don't, I wouldn't necessarily have thought that if anything. I thought that a lot of his conduct was probably due to, to, a, due to a void. But it, this is a different way that, that this right, man a different is describing take. it. Yeah. It's not like, oh, you know, he lacked a father figure and he was looking for a father figure. No, actually, this suited him. You know, but yeah. then this, ma- this makes him sound like a sociopath or something.
0: <laughs> That's what he says, almost pathological. And Right. <laughs> I mean, I do remember as he, you know, made the staffing choices for his White House that people were like, are you kidding? These are like college kids. This is not an administration. You know, right. So there is kind of a frat boy mentality. I don't think he really was that kind of dude, but it, it was something that was observed at the time that he didn't how did gravitate. He defend
1: that. Do you recall how he did? Was it like, oh, you know, I want all of this fresh energy because they're going to be they're not going to be sort of corrupted by the, gu- you know, by the old politics. Is that was that his mentality at the time to hire all these young
0: people? Because I, I don't recall him talking well, about why he made he, those choices. He probably brought some of them from Arkansas. So it would have been just who he knew. You know, and mm-hmm. all presidents do that. They bring in people that they trust and they know. And then I also think that he, and this kind of ties into the Arsenio interview, he probably was one of the first folks to realize that the youth vote was important. And he kind of spun his candidacy as, you know, I'm 45. Uh, I'm not a Washington insider. Um, I don't necessarily want to learn from the mistakes of those who came before. I'm just going to blaze my own trail. I think that's part of the reason why he went on Arsenio is that, you know, who's watching that? Young people. He knows exactly who's watching that.
1: Yeah. Mm Interesting. Interesting. I read so something what is-
0: else interesting that I, I won't quote to you, but um, I think you would find this interesting, too. So we'll get into Arsenio in just a, a second here because uh, it's really good. And this Arsenio airs in June 92. So we had graduated by the time yep. this aired. And it was about four months after Bill and Hillary did a 60 Minutes interview during the campaign. This was a big deal, too. It was. It was if if uh, I'm thinking about the same interview. Yeah. And did you watch it? I watched it online.
1: I want to say that I that I've over the years I've watched parts of that where she's saying she's not Tammy Wynette just standing by her man
0: type. Yeah, I'm not just some little woman standing by my man. Right. By the way, I feel like she has like I'm not going to really criticize this because I think this is easy to do. But I feel like she speaks like she's from Arkansas and she's really not. But that's okay. You know, she lived there for a minute.
1: Right. Some things might rub off. Yeah. I mean, I I use Venezuelan colloquial, you know, like stuff and because I'm married to a Venezuelan man. So things things rub off. Yeah. Even mom says, are you are you from Venezuela now? (laughs) Because I use all the expressions. And so so things can we'll, we'll cut her some slack
0: there. Right. Right. And it's not really to her advantage to be putting on that accent. So I think it was unplanned. Mm. Um, (laughs) So uh, the context for that interview is that they are just about to hit the New Hampshire primary, which is real important. Sure is. Yay, New Hampshire. I know. And a woman by the name of Jennifer Flowers Mm -hmm. has come on the scene and said that she had a 12 year, I'm pausing for emphasis, affair affair. With Bill. And yes. that is hard to just dodge. Like, she's a reasonable person. She's not um, a floozy, for lack of a better word. Mm-hmm. She was a TV reporter. She was a cabaret singer, too. So you can kind of diss her on that if, if that's, you know, how you roll. But... um She's a real person. She's not like someone who's obviously making up stories. She was in Arkansas at the time. He admits that he knew her. So this seems like it could have some legs. And it's right before the New Hampshire primary. So they decide that the best um, best tactic for this would be to do a very serious uh, interview in a public forum and address it head on. They decide that they cannot ignore this and that uh, it needs to be confronted. And more than that, they decide that Hillary needs to be involved, that if the wife is by his side, although she doesn't want to be Tammy Wynette, and she says she believes him that he didn't have a 12-year affair, that that would be a tremendous help. So the two of them go on 60 Minutes. What I read in prep for this that was interesting was that this was a very recent article. It was in Politico, and it said that that interview... Damned public perception of Hillary forever because really? it was it was her debut. Like, you know, when people are in a primary, you don't necessarily know their wives at that point. So this was our first meeting, really, of Hillary Clinton nationally. The uh, 60 Minutes, not Arsenio. And she was in this really crap position of trying to put herself forward as, you know, a professional modern woman who knew that her husband might have some dirty dog tendencies, but that she was. Okay with it and supportive of him. Not that she and this is where they get into they're like dancing on the head of a pin, right? She she can't just say like, oh, yeah, he can do whatever he wants. That wouldn't fly. So she has to somehow say like, I know he might have done something, but I still believe in him and I believe in our marriage and I'm good with it. And the article said that the reason that damaged her is not that it's a terrible thing to say. It's probably a lot of people who have to say that, but that it is such a um, complicated and unnatural position. You know, it's, it's real natural, right, to say, like, he cheated on me and I wanted to kill him. But she couldn't say that. She had to say, uh, you know, we've had maybe we've had trouble in our marriage, but I still believe in him. She had to dance and make this picture for him that was kind of sacrificing herself. She wasn't coming across as authentic because she was doing this weird back and forth between maybe he cheated. We're not going to say it. We're not going to say the word. But even if he did, I still love him. And uh, I believe in him. And um, you all should vote for him.
1: Right. Because during that interview, if I recall correctly, he didn't say that he had an affair with this woman.
0: Oh, no. Dancing. He never said
1: that. Yeah, he never said it. He just he, they just indicated that there were some issues in the marriage. Like like any other marriage, if I yeah, remember correctly, His big correctly. phrase
0: was, um, "I have caused pain in my marriage," which anybody with a brain knows what that means. I mean, unless you are an abuser, the next in line way to cause pain is to cheat. Correct. So he was saying it without saying it, and they were both saying it without saying it, and that's what—that's the only route they really had. Like you can't—he's not going to get elected saying he's has a twelve-year affair, and it's way too dangerous to deny it because. She's a pretty solid person. You know, she's not going to, she's not backing down. So, what would have been. You know, it's
1: interesting, right? Because now I'm thinking, why didn't people look at her and say, poor Hillary? Like, this is what we want to analyze. I know. Why why didn't that happen? Is it because she came across as too aggressive, a little too intellectual, a little too unfeeling or something? Why wasn't the reaction poor Hillary?
0: I did have that feeling that was not in the article, but I noticed that their facial expressions in 60 Minutes were real interesting. So he was typical Bill's typical, you know, early Bill Clinton kind of aweshock, shocked innocent, just trying to to look, And, and I don't know if it's trying to look or maybe this is just his look, I don't know, just without guile. Like he was, Mm -hmm. lean. they they made a big deal about how he leaned into this interview. He didn't look like a cornered rat. You know, he literally leaned in and figuratively, like, didn't avoid the conversation. Right. Like, like he's
1: trying to persuade you, like he's going to try to, you know, convince you of something else. Yeah.
0: And she was Mm -hmm. trying to be convincing also, but her manner, and this is just me, this is not the article, her manner was different. She was glaring at the interviewer. Like she was angry. Yeah. Major stink eye. Yes. Major. Interesting guy. And in a woman at that time, I do think it could have come across as too much. Right, but the uh, article said something different. The article said that what she was trying to do and what she did very well, everyone agreed that without her, he wouldn't have got through this. She she made him president through this interview, basically, or she gave him the chance. So,
1: in other words, this interview, she achieved her. They achieved their goal a hundred percent
0: through the strategy that they employed. They achieved their goal of getting him elected for sure. Yes. They did. And it was at her expense, according to this, because she didn't come across as um, natural or someone you might know, because what she was trying to do was so calculated and kind of tense that it wasn't someone that you or I could relate to. So here's the interesting part. If that's true, you know, if that's the how she
1: came across and people don't like her from from that interview on, people just flat out don't like her. Don't because you hear that a lot. Like, I don't trust Hillary. I don't right. like Hillary. She doesn't seem authentic. She seems mean, you know, like you hear it yeah. all all the time. Right. So then how w- were they able to achieve their goal of getting him elected? If, if the characters are not likable, how do we?
0: Well, you so know? what they said was that needed to be done in the moment. There was problem A which was Jennifer Flowers, that needed to go away or he was not going any further. And she made that go away. Like everyone on the campaign gave her all the credit. Like you managed to stand by him without looking weak. You know, if you look like pathetic, that's a bad look for him too. You know, mm-hmm. what's, what's, who is he married to? What's this person who doesn't have any feelings? So she solved the crisis of the moment. But if you think about it, that would be a very difficult way to come to the, um come to the fore in front of the American people or any people like this is a bizarre situation and I would not want to meet anybody in that situation. You would not be seeing the I'm best wondering mood.
1: what what would have been like I, I wonder if she if they would have been successful. If if she if she had used another approach that would have been more where people would have liked her and, and empathized and said, oh, you know, poor Hillary, you know, smart woman, you know, caught in this ugly situation. Like if she could have generated that kind of feeling in folks. Yeah. Could she could she still have helped him achieve his goal of getting reelected? I wonder, like, was there another approach that she could have used? You know, well.
0: According to the article, what they were saying is it was such a tightrope between I love him, but I'm independent. I can overlook this, but I'm smart. I'm this, but I'm not that, that that was the best you could do. Like, right. It's just not a normal <laughs> scenario to introduce yourself. It's funny
1: that I mean, we're all responsible for what happens to us, right? But mm-hmm. if if she had married somebody else, would there have been a different outcome altogether? Because everything that we're judging her on is based on how she reacted to stuff he's done, basically, for the most part,
0: right? It is. I will say that I would never say that she's riding on his coattails because she's obviously a very capable person and smart. Mm -hmm. However, she did believe in his ability to be successful running for president from a very young age, like as in in the 1970s. Right. She was telling people he's going to run and he's going to win. So being attached to him gave her some street cred as well. It wasn't all negative.
1: Right. And she must have been pretty aware of his behavior. I mean, she's not stupid, right? So she must have been aware of his behavior from like way back. And, you think? Yeah, I think I, I think she was. Um, I mean, it's their decision. It's their marriage. I'm not judging people's marriages, but, but I guess if we look at it from that way, then it's like it was her decision to stay with someone who, while brilliant, is also flawed and could potentially, you know, generate some problems for you, you know, media wise. I mean, she kind of she probably did know that 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 was a a gamble, you know, that that was a risk that she was going to have being with him. I don't think that she was totally like innocent about. I I think she must have known that he was a dog or, you know, had a roving eye or could be cheating. I I just don't believe that she didn't know.
0: It must have been obvious, but I will say that love is blind. Mm -hmm. And that is a common thing I think that women can overlook. Maybe men as well. I don't know. Men have not poured their hearts out to me in as much detail as women. But, you know, there are friends that we've had that are with someone and you think, how does she think that guy is faithful?
1: Right. It is possible to just not, you know, and to think the best of someone, to Mm -hmm. just not think that they could ever. Right. Like you make excuses.
0: Oh, he's just really warm. He's a flirt. He's this. He's that. He would never. And then.
1: Right. Interesting. My God, I've never heard that before, that that's what damaged her. I always thought that it was mostly her actions during his administration, like that the fact that they gave her a lead role on stuff, that that people weren't ready that they weren't ready for a strong, smart woman to be
0: taking the lead like that back in the 90s. Yeah, I mean, even at that time, they said they, they marketed themselves as buy one, get one free. In other words, you're going to elect a president and you're going to get this super capable first lady. Right. And I thought, even at the time, I had no negative uh, impression of her at the, out, at, the, at the word go. And even at the time, I thought, I don't think we elect someone and get a tag along person that nobody elected Running the government That doesn't sound right Like I didn't I didn't vibe with that Slogan She may be great But she shouldn't be Doing so much work In this administration That it's like a a Second in command
1: Yeah I think that's Going to rub people The wrong way And the fact that she Had like her own Sort of office In the You know That's not what we
0: do We take elections Very seriously We don't get Random people
1: Running stuff Right And I think that And and that promotes Like distrust Like you know What is this You know um, But I
0: think It's odd Because I think That is really Authentic to them I think they really Felt like like we're both in this we're both going to contribute right and i do think
1: in case they ever listen to this podcast that they're <laughs> both extremely talented and you know talented and people who have a lot who have contributed a lot and you know are, you know definitely you know hillary in, in my opinion definitely could could have been president and could have led well and all of that stuff it's just we're just looking at how this you know how they presented themselves and how that influence things later on because people never really forgot that about Hillary when she ran for president twice. Was it twice that she's run? They don't forget that stuff. You know, they go back to like when they think when they thought about her, they think the Clintons. Mm-hmm. So they think back to him, what happened during his administration, how they presented, to, you know, what they didn't like about that. It always went back to that. It wasn't like she came in clean of of any, No, she didn't you know, have a baggage.
0: clean slate. But to be fair, if you were Anybody associated, closely associated with a controversial figure, y- you would bear some of that uh, if you tried to run yourself, you wouldn't be right. totally clean. And there was just so much of it, you know, it wasn't know.
1: like she was married and he was like a one term governor or something like he was president for two terms and it was explosive, you yeah. know. And so she she had, you know, she she got pretty far, I think, you know, given that these were her challenges. Yeah, you know? I agree. So, uh,
0: agree.
1: interesting. So how about that Arsenio episode
0: then? Well, that was the beginning of it was just as I remembered. I remembered him, Clinton, doing uh, like a almost like a cold open type of thing where he was playing Heartbreak Hotel on the saxophone. And he can play. I didn't realize it was that good. Well, the band leader and also my husband, who used to be a saxophone player, said the same thing. They said, hello, hello. Yeah. Sorry, I gotta interrupt. Yeah. Uh, this would be Jay, your husband. Oh yes, yes. I'm sorry. <laughs> I had no I had no idea he played the sax.
1: That's pretty damn cool, right there.
0: I know that's a cool instrument, don't you think?
1: It's cool, and it's it's you know it's like a sexy instrument
0: too. You well, know, like, I don't think it was sexy. He was in the marching band. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't sexy then. No, but he could play. I'm sure
1: he could probably play like a, he's, you know, like a sexy tune, you know, on his. Well, back.
0: perhaps I've, uh, this is like all um <laughs> uh according to Jay, like I've never seen him play the saxophone, but I believe him. Come on. Don't be, don't, don't be, don't be dissing like that, though. No, I'm, sure I'm just saying I sounds. haven't, I haven't heard it. And I also was in a marching band and I was terrible. So that's my, all right. my, my. But you weren't playing the saxophone. No, I was playing the flute.
1: The flute is, yeah, it's pretty cool. You must have had some skills.
0: Well, so he and (laughs) Arsenio's band leader, whose name I'm forgetting, Michael Wolf, Mm -hmm. said the same thing, which was, you know, I give him credit. He was a good high school saxophone player. He was not great. Like, (laughs) I know what they're talking about. Like, (laughs) right. But he sounded he, great on TV. Yeah, to the, to those of us who are not, you know, music connoisseurs and you know can't hear any uh, imperfections, right? It was perfectly fine. It was not embarrassing by any stretch,
1: right? Yeah, and I, th- I thought he, I thought it was in- entertaining, and I was I was impressed anyway.
0: <laughs> well, and it was so unique, you know. Not only was he going on a casual late night show, he was going to perform. What the hell's that, you know? Right? did Oh, so you were saying that he looked cool,
1: right? Yeah, like I think he wanted to look cool
0: to the younger crowd. Yes, I'm sure he did. And I read a little bit about his uh, looking cool. So he shows up with his Secret Service people and his advisors. Uh, Eventually, Arsenio says he travels with more people than Hammer, which I thought was funny. I thought that was funny, too. And uh, Arsenio, according to this article I read, said to him, that tie is bunk. You're not going on my show with that stupid tie. You need to look more, you know, stylish. So Arsenio loaned him a tie. Funny. And somebody on his team, I forget who, said, I think you should wear sunglasses. And -and so-and-so in the group had some Ray-Ban sunglasses, like from Risky Business type sunglasses. And he, he checked, you know with his posse there and said, like, is this going to make me look foolish? And they were like, you know, I, I think it might be the way to go. So that is how his look came to be. Interesting, because I didn't really like his tie.
1: So it's, I didn't know the story, <laughs> but I remember looking at the tie and going, it's not really that great, but oh, well, I, I so that's it's funny that they gave him a tie that they thought would be cooler or stylish. Well, who knows? Or, it could have been just like a red tie, you know, could have had flags. Who knows? Oh, you mean the tie that he originally had? Right. He, it was probably, yeah, maybe. So the, whatever the alternative they had was far better, which wasn't exactly. really that great.
0: Oh, okay. At least it was not like oh, terrible tie, you know?
1: No, but it was like not that great of a tie. Like I remember thinking that only because <laughs> I, I compared him to Obama. Obama's such a sharp dresser, nice, clean, good look, and True. I thought that tie yes. doesn't work.
0: Bottom line is he always needed help. He was a little chubbs. He yep. was he had a haircut in my opinion that looked like supercuts. It was really not anything stylish. Right. And so I could see how people around him were like, let's try to make this work. Yeah, let's make you look cool. <laughs> Trendy. <laughs> so he had some good advisors. And by this point he's riding kinda high because People think he won New Hampshire. He didn't win. He came in second. But to Paul Songus, who was from Massachusetts, so there's always an allowance like for a local person. Right. They thought the fact that he came in second in New Hampshire was a big deal. That would he also around, beat
1: Jerry Brown in, in California at the time, right, yep. in the Democratic uh, presidential exactly. primary.
0: So he was riding pretty high. Uh, and he comes out and he plays Heartbreak Hotel at the start. And then he stays in that position with the band while Arsenio does his monologue. Which was uncomfortable. (laughs) (laughs) It is. I I will say it's hard to, uh, people don't think this a lot, but if you perform and then you're just standing there, it's weird.
1: Yeah. And then the jokes are like, "Mm." you know, I I noticed they didn't put the camera on him very much during the monologue. Which was kind because it's hard
0: to look cool when you are just standing there.
1: Well, and also some of the jokes, like whether it would be cool for him to laugh at them.
0: Exactly. So And they show the Secret Service guy in the audience. I thought that was interesting. That was funny. Yeah, that was funny. He kinda looked like someone. I don't know, I couldn't couldn't place it, but he looked like he might I, yeah. I know I don't think he was, but he looked like an actor of some kind.
1: Right. I know,
0: he did. He did.
1: Um but yeah, it was it, it was an interesting beginning and um I don't know. It was an interesting conversation. I liked well, they started off talking about different things like the uh, I, I guess at the time they were trying to think of a, a good stamp for Elvis, whether they would do the old Elvis versus the young Elvis.
0: Yeah. When he and, sits down, they t- Arsenio asked him, which is makes sense because Clinton is Southern. So he would have an opinion.
1: Yeah. I never knew about it until they mentioned it. And then I kind of did a little Google and I said, oh, I guess it was a big deal at the time, whether they would go for young Elvis or old Elvis.
0: Because it Apparently is pretty They went different. for young
1: Elvis. I think they
0: did, which I can see because old Elvis is kind of sick,
1: and that's, right. that would
0: be not a good choice.
1: Right. Go for when he was, you know, better mentally, spiritually, and everything else. So.
0: And uh, I thought it was interesting that Clinton leans right in, saying that he knows Arsenio's pastor. And yeah, he knows I like his Congresswoman. God. It's so Clinton, right? Like you always hear that he makes a point to know you. He if he's met your father, if he's met anybody to do with you, he's going to bring him up. Right.
1: I mean, it's a great approach to show like, you know, I'm interested in you. You're not just some, you know, I'm not, we're not I you're just not like passing through my life. I'm interested in you. And I've read about you, all right, you know. So that's cool.
0: Yeah, it's cool. It's just that he's um by many accounts he's like superb at this right well that whatever works to to get you to where
1: you need to go and apparently it worked in his in his case um but the, i thought the conversation was really very interesting and it like it was good because it at the time again people are trying to make a decision about who's going to be president and i thought the interview was very effective it shows you you know this intelligent down to earth. I can have a beer with this guy. And, you know, like, I, you know, I can relate to this guy and he understands what my issues are. You know, that's
0: what well, came, that's what came across to me. and especially that this is just after the riots, Toni Morrison, I didn't know it was her, but apparently she was the one who later said he was our first black president. And people oh, I didn't said know that. that she said that. Yeah, people said that sort of thing because he was being from the South and, you know, not a not someone in an ivory tower. He right. had a good relationship with the black community.
1: Well, he and, said during the interview that three years ago, he before the riots, three years before the riots, he had gone to that, to South Central L.A. to like, you know, he visited the schools, he talked to students. That were about the same age as Chelsea at the time, you know, and he, so he, so that right away, you're, 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 the message you're sending is I, I, I care about you. This is not just like me trying to, you know, be president because I'm, you know, ambitious or anything like that. I really care about these issues, you know. And he had said that when he met with the sixth graders during that time, which was three years before the riots, that the, the, uh, the kids were revealed to him that their biggest fear was getting shot on the way to school. I mean, that's awful. It is. It is. So, I, mean, yeah, I mean,
0: I believe him, but he's almost too perfect in terms of the anecdotes. And, you know, people came to make fun of him for saying so often, I feel your pain. Like he was just Mr. Empathy.
1: Right. And even <laughs> it was funny because during the interview, Arsenio was like, on paper, you look so good. <laughs> <laughs> But what are your flaws? And it's funny that he said, you know, you know, like we don't have enough time to get into like all my imperfections. But um,
0: which is but a good it, answer. It is. Because, well, then he goes on to say some nonsense about he's a workaholic. That's right. Dope. So, I wouldn't so say it's kind
1: of it's kind of like when you're in an interview and they to right.
0: they ask you to reveal what your strengths and
1: weaknesses are and you reveal a weakness that's not really a weakness. No, You say you're a perfectionist
0: <laughs> or something. <laughs> so, but yeah, yeah. He's got it all together. He he pauses a little bit before he answers every question. So he's not too glib and he's just on point. He was prepared. He was
1: really prepared. I mean, I mean, and the thing is, he was prepared with stuff that made him feel like it, you got the sense that he really was interested in the issue. Like he even talked about a teacher who he had met, who, who indicated like, look, we're cleaning up all this mess after the riots, but... What we need to do is get down to like cleaning up whatever the The mess mess was that caused caused the the riots. You know, so he had like, like you said, anecdotes and, you know, information to reveal. And so it wasn't just like, oh, this is what I think about the riots. No, I've been here. I've talked to people. I was here three years ago, you know, so it it was intelligent it was a, and what it was people say
0: about him is like you and I would have to like even if we did those things, we would do a lot of prep to have them read those anecdotes ready for an interview. But what right. people say about him is uh uh-uh, uh natural, yeah, you can see that mhm yeah
1: it was it was interesting, even more so, interesting was when Hillary came out <laughs> yeah, so then she
0: comes out next, they go to commercial and she comes out, and like I said, this is um after the sixty minutes interview so. She can be a little more cash at this point. It's not um, his his uh, reputation is not on the line so much. True. Except she's not
1: stiff. Stiff. I thought she, she was she's stiff. stiff. I felt that she was.
0: But go on. I what did you notice you.
1: that made you think I she just, was stiff? Her, her body language seemed a little bit. She didn't seem relaxed to me. On no. guard. On guard. And she had no real reason to. Be uh, I, I don't know if she was afraid of what question might come her way, but I don't think that she had any reason to be afraid. You know, I don't think no, that Arsenio. Arsenio's a
0: softy. He's not gonna. And certainly, with a woman who's been cheated, he's not gonna make her feel bad.
1: No, and I and I think that if he chooses to have you, you're a politician, and he's choosing to have you on his show, that means he kind of he likes you, and he probably wants for you know you to come across
0: favorably, right? So it yeah, would, and I you, you would just be a big jerk to make some woman who's probably been cheated on pretty seriously feel bad. Like he just wouldn't do that.
1: Right. Right. I I thought she looked a little stiff, although I don't know. And then I felt a little uncomfortable with the Jennifer Flowers question.
0: Right. Or comments or whatever it was. I know.
1: I felt uncomfortable. Like, how far is this going to (laughs) go?
0: So we can we can reenact it. So he says, I'll be him and you be her. Okay. I'll try to remember verbatim if I can. He says, "Um, so you, Hillary, you know, Jennifer Flowers, right? Well, yeah, I, I know her. And he says, oh, what do you think? What do you think her problem is? Oh, she's got a lot of problems. <laughs> yeah. And it was really, nat- that was actually very natural. It was. That, that was a little bit of a woman scorned, I think.
1: Yeah. And and the thing is that, that Arsenio framed it as like, well, you know, I got I to gotta ask, like, have you asked him, like, who is Jennifer? Who's Jennifer? Well, I, and that's when she said, I know who oh. Jennifer is.
0: <laughs> yeah, she went real defensive, real quick.
1: Right, and then it stopped. Though, like she didn't have to worry about being on guard after that. Like it just, you know, he digressed right. it did, to other It issues. went away.
0: He he didn't pursue.
1: I think he felt like if he didn't go there, that people would think he was being weak or something. Like he's a it comedian, was just
0: like the elephant in the room. I mean, come on.
1: Right. Like you've got to, you've got to go there. Otherwise it looks like you're hiding something.
0: 60 Minutes did a lot of good for them, but it did not make her go away. Like she came out shortly after that with um, audio tapes of him talking with her and she was, she was not given up. So I think although publicly that 60 Minutes interview cleared them, she, I'm guessing Hillary had a Had to see a lot of ugly backlash from Jennifer Flowers over, you know, who who at that point was like, hey, you don't want to believe me? Fine. I got tapes. You know, I think she she probably had it thrown in her face a little. Hillary's
1: biggest problem is that she and I believe that she is pro-women and that she wants women to get ahead and that she wants women to succeed. I definitely believe that with all my heart, that that's what she wants and believes in and all that. But unfortunately, in in her reactions, in her... Because of her decision to defend Bill, she's been in in those interactions. She's been anti-woman, you know, like Monica Lewinsky's a bimbo. Yep, She's been heard saying, you know, and we know Monica is not a bimbo. Right. And and Jennifer Flowers. Well, she's got problems. She's got
0: problems and she called her a failed cabaret singer.
1: Right. So it's like she when it came to her husband, she, you know, she'll she'll railroad you. you, She'll destroy you. She's anti-woman then. And I think that that. Sort of difference that contrast did not help her. No, like, I think however, a lot of women felt like they, you know, I can't trust you. You're you're so 100 percent by your man that you're willing to say that this one's a Looney Tune. Or, you know, I don't think that helped her at all.
0: No, however, I would say that many a woman who has been cheated on takes to calling the mistress names. That's an unfortunately natural response. Correct. You want no, to put them is. down.
1: Yeah, it is.
0: I just think that that. That Not a good look.
1: And, and let me tell you something. Talk about being saved by the bell as far as technology. If that woman had, if it was today, she would have WhatsApp videos. She, I mean, she would I have know. all kinds of stuff to show as proof. She just, you know, we were back in the day. There, there really wasn't that much proof, and so when there's really very little proof, you can deny and deny exactly. and twist it. And they were lucky in that respect. Had it been now, she, he would have been toast. Really, she would have had. Plenty, plenty of proof. Now, she's got tapes, but I don't know.
0: Did you ever listen to any of the tapes? I'm talking about Jennifer Flowers. (laughs) Yeah, it was interesting because... They did the 60 Minutes interview and it was very effective to the point that the next day Jennifer Flowers comes out with tapes and it didn't really make all that much news. It made some news, but it, wasn't, it didn't reopen the problem. And I think it was because there was some controversy over were these real tapes or were they edited? I'm not sure she turned them over to somebody neutral like NBC News. I think she just played them and gave them to the Inquirer or something. Right. So... They were, it was like tainted evidence. Right. When you, when you behave
1: in a way that makes the public think that you're trying to benefit financially, then they start to doubt you, the, doubt right. the veracity of the story. They might think like, yeah, he probably did do
0: something, but. That was definitely her problem. If she had gone to, like I said, NBC News or something, I think it would have been worse. Right. Yeah. It's, he, it's, it's an interesting thing. You um, can kind of tell that Hillary's um, persona is becoming a little challenging. So Arsenia asks her something like, I've heard that you're chilling out. I've heard that people have told you to maybe take a back seat in the campaign or or something along those lines. And she's kind of defensive again, like, no, I'm not doing that. I don't know who thinks I'm doing that. That's too bad for them. And you can see that start just starting to bubble up that maybe right after that, you start seeing headlines like, is she helping or hurting?
1: Right. I mean, she doesn't have... Or doesn't appear to have, because probably in her personal life, she's the sweetest pie, you know, probably completely different from what we know or from what comes across in the media. But she doesn't come across as the person who has soft interpersonal skills. She you know, does she have comes, empathy. Yeah, she doesn't. And, and maybe she just doesn't show it because she feels like she can't show it because she's in public. And that's not how she was, you know, in her mind. That's not how she wants to appear. She doesn't want to appear weak or something like that. But otherwise, I mean, otherwise what's coming across is that people feel like she's like kind of bitchy and, you know, probably not that nice. Yeah. And that doesn't work when you're a woman. (laughs) People need to feel like they like you. You know, it's already hard enough being a woman. And if, you know, if they can find reasons to, to not like you, you know, it's, I just wonder, you know, to what extent her interpersonal skills and, and also her defense of, you know, her Commitment to defending Bill and how, how that all has played into her political life. And I, I wonder if it, if it would have been a different, if there would have been a different outcome for her. Well, maybe not.
0: And I mean, I, was, I know it's people say, and I, I tend to agree that this idea of being likable applies more to a woman than a man. Like, you'll hear that a lot when it's a female candidate. How likable is she? But yes and no. Like, they historically, we've had male presidents and What people always say is you vote for sometimes you vote for the guy that you think you could have a beer with. That's a likable person. And so I think it applies to men, too. Maybe not as much. But being unlikable, like saying stuff that comes across as harsh or looking defensive or unnatural, that doesn't help anybody that that doesn't help man or a woman who is running for something.
1: And I don't think that she wanted to come across in a way that would hurt her husband or hurt herself in the long run. It was just a natural it's just her personality like that's how she is like she had to work really hard to show I think she probably had to work really hard to give people what they want you know She
0: did and honestly who on earth is going to be at their best when they're probably coming to terms with the fact that their husband cheated on them for 12 years right and we don't
1: know, And we don't know like what that really did to them. Like as far as, you know, there's a lot that they don't say, you know, like that probably she probably was really mad for a long time. And exactly. That, that could have led to even more affairs on his end. Right. So, you know, I'm not justifying anything. I'm just saying that probably led to more inappropriate
0: behavior for him. You know, yeah. even if you try to forgive someone in that, if you, your whole heart is to forgive, it's hard and you're not going to be real friendly. Or relaxed for a long time. And she was probably like, I'm just going to stick by you so we can get work done. Because
1: she had the same level of commitment that that he did as far as, you know, running, you know, uh, doing good stuff for the country. And and then she's like, and then I'm going to run for, you know, like, she. I'm sure she thought about her own political career throughout this time and thought, like, I'm just going to hang on and then I'm going to start my own political career. Maybe I'm alone. Maybe I'm naive. But I do believe that she loves him. Yeah, I, I think I think she does. I think she does love him as well. I mean, they would have been divorced by now had that not been. I mean, there would be no reason for them to be together today. Right. If they didn't love each other. Like he's no longer president. she she's Chelsea's no longer, grown. Right. You know, they their grandparents. They, I mean, there's no reason to, to put up a front anymore. So, um, yeah, I, I think they do love, love each other. I think that probably things weren't really great during, you know, during that time that all these things were coming to light. And As a result, I think that he digressed even more, you know, like perhaps, you know, I mean, he's got there there are a lot of women that have not come to light, probably. I don't know. I kind of feel like he's got a long list that we don't know about. Yeah, it seems to never end. So but the interview itself had a lot of substance to it. You know, he was definitely I don't know that he was ahead of his time but he was you know he showed a lot of you know uh, definitely revealed a lot of liberal thinking as far as you know making sure that we respect you know um gay people's rights and you know he he Talked about Ross Perot's comment about, I guess he was very homophobic and and it was against people who cheated on their spouses and this and that. And he was very judgmental. And and he was like, you know, we've got to be tolerant. We've got to, you know, embrace everybody. And so, I mean, I could see where that would be appealing to the youth of the day. Yeah.
0: He had his message crafted so precisely for this audience. He did. And I love, I love
1: what he said to Arsenio, because Arsenio was like, Cl- Clinton said, you know, I was your age when I became yeah. governor. I love that. And Arsenio was like, you were governor and I'm here going, let's get busy. And I love, see, Clinton is so fast on his feet. I, I know. love that he said, let's get busy should be the motto of the country. You I know. know. Get, I love that. Like he, I don't know if he already had this pre-planned or he, he was just, you know, he's just gifted as far as
0: having the right words to say, you know. No, he's gifted. It's I think it's because he listens all the time and somebody else would have been just letting Arsenio make his joke and then getting back to his political spiel. But he Clinton listened, you know, he could actually have a conversation.
1: And also it's the empathy thing like. Like don't don't underestimate your own
0: power, Arsenio. Cool. Like it's
1: pretty cool that you say that. And this is you know like it was it was very it was a great um,
0: it was a great response to that. Yeah, they both kind of suck up to Arsenio. Not that's not terrible what he's doing there. It's just a natural, pleasant conversation thing. But what did you think about the Hillary uses flattery in like a really skillful way. I don't know if you noticed that. So Arsenio is not giving her a hard time, but. He's just asked her, for example, if she's chilling out, like if, if advisors have told her to take a bit of a backseat. And after she works her way through the answer, she says, I just want to make a note that what you did on the night after the riots was so remarkable. And it was really exactly what the nation needed to hear. And I thought, that's good. It if was. If you flatter someone, and, and you know, he did an important thing, no question, right? If you flatter someone, you will change that subject. Yeah. And But I want to say, and
1: maybe I'm just naive, again, thinking the best of folks, I want to say that she was sincere when she said that, that that's the kind of television that she would find meaningful. Just because I feel like they are truly committed to the causes that they want to, you know, the, the good things that they want to do, like, you know, having more jobs and education for folks. So I want, I guess, you know, the fact that he was using that platform to talk about racism and the violence and all, I want to say that she... That she liked that sincerely, like that it wasn't just that she was, you know. No, I agree. Him. She
0: she had that sincere compliment. It's just the timing of when she whipped it out,
1: <laughs> got right. her out of
0: a little patchy situation there. But was she,
1: I can't remember like the, the order of things. Were they talking? I forget what the last few sentences were before she jumped in and said that.
0: Well, the two questions he had for her were specifically about Jennifer Flowers and then about like... Are you being too strong as a candidate's yeah, the, was wife? So that, those were not good.
1: So the, that was the last comment or the last topic before she jumped into the compliment. Yes. Yeah. It is. I guess it was a good uh, punting, punting uh, comment. I guess. Yeah, you need to change that
0: subject. <laughs>
1: right. <laughs> yeah. Too bad. But but I do think that I don't know. I, I felt like it was sincere, but I do agree that it was. I'm not saying
0: I wouldn't do it. I would do it in a minute if it was going to get me out of that conversation. (laughs) I agree. (laughs) Now,
1: what I was going to say, what did you think about the whole smoking a joint thing?
0: Oh, that was interesting. So for anybody who doesn't know, Clinton was mocked because somebody asked him if he had ever smoked pot. And for some reason, he chose to say that he had smoked, but he didn't inhale. And that's crazy town. It's like you want to, you want to get off the hook because you didn't inhale. What are you? Like? <laughs> it's kind of like, you know what that reminded
1: me of? That reminded me of when he did the
0: deposition
1: in front oh, of yeah. the uh, and, and he, and he was going around and around, uh, you know, uh, the whole issue of sex and whether he had sex yeah. and whether it could be defined at sex. It reminded me of that. hundred like percent.
0: That's where people saw it first. Right. Because even though you
1: were nervous about it, like just to say, You didn't inhale. It was like really what he was doing was he was trying. Well, he says that people that that people jumped to the wrong conclusion.
0: But that's I mean, why else would you say I didn't inhale? He says to Arsenio that and I actually thought his explanation was kind of good, but it's just a ridiculous thing to say. So he says that he in the moment when he was asked the question, it was an unplanned question or unknown to him. You know, surprise. And he recalled himself as a young man. And how goofy he was in that moment and just like had a laugh with himself that he couldn't even do that right. Like he was such a bum that he didn't he couldn't even inhale. Nah, I'm not buying that one. <laughs> well, I think interesting interesting you say that. Was, yeah, I mean, I could also see thinking, you know, I want to answer. And this is giving him all the benefit of the doubt, which I'm sure he might not deserve. but. <laughs> I could also see thinking, you know, I don't want to necessarily lie, but the one time I smoked, it wasn't even fun. And it's not like I was a pothead. So maybe I should explain that I wasn't even really into it.
1: And that would be fine. I have no
0: problem with that. I have a little um, quotation here about his foolish statement there. So this is from that same book. Stanley Greenberg, who I don't, unfortunately, I don't know who that is, but on Clinton's decision to change his standard answer during the campaign about whether he had used marijuana. So apparently this was not just a question out of the blue. This was something that regularly came up and he had a standard answer. And he says, I forget what show he was on. It was during the New York primary. George Stephanopoulos and I were with him. George and I are in the green room watching the show and he gives his answer about not inhaling. George and I know immediately that this is a disaster. And he comes off the stage and he says, what do you think? There's no problem. No problem. There's definitely no problem. He was convinced that this was not a problem, but it was not an answer that he had given in any discussions prior to that one. He clearly had built this up in his head. At some point, he was going to say it. He had never run it by us or anybody that I know of. He said it and he thought it was great. I mean, it was also true. I think it's true. I think he didn't inhale. He thought it would be reassuring to people, and it was not. But he didn't get that it wasn't.
1: Hmm. Yeah, it just feels like, again, because we've seen kind of like a little bit of that behavior already, like his ability to like turn something into something else. Like, no, I didn't really have sex with her. I didn't really. So in his mind, that just reminds me of that. (laughs) Right. Like if I can, it doesn't leak, work
0: in anybody else's mind. But.
1: If I can manipulate the situation with my words and presentation, then it won't be as bad. Or you know, and and you know, I'm curious. Like,
0: why didn't he just lie and say that he never smoked? Um, right. Well, I suppose whoever you don't do that alone. So you could be thinking like somebody might come out and say you're a liar. If but that they were there, me, that makes me think. That it
1: must have been more than one time that he tried to smoke Oh, it could be.
0: Yeah. Because if it
1: was just one time and that's, in, in fact, what happened, I failed to inhale, then why just say you, you've you never done it, right?
0: No, I, I could see worrying that you might get caught. Like, what if, you know, you vividly remember all your friends who were there, you know? Yeah.
1: There must have been more than one person around or something. Right. All right. And
0: also, here's another problem. The reason they're asking him this is that he's in college, I believe, in the late 60s. So they're kind of asking him when they ask him that question. So were you a nerd or were you like all the rest of the hippies? And he might not really even want to be the nerd and say, oh, no, I wasn't part of that at all. Like it's it's not he's not going to be that far from pop if he's in college in the late 60s.
1: Right, right. So it would it would probably look unrealistic that he never tried that he was such a nerd that he right I don't know I did, well yeah anyway
0: anyway so they do pretty well I think uh, you know similar to the 60 Minutes interview he was much more the one you'd want to get a beer with than she was by the end of that interview but um, they were appealing overall that was an appealing couple I think that people could if you were inclined to agree with them politically you you probably would have an overall good impression by the end of that interview right I mean, with
1: Hillary, I just always thought she's brilliant. She's smart. And that was enough for me. I didn't really care about whether she was, I don't know. I never really worried about that, like whether she was a bitch or not a bitch or whether she was too intense or aggressive. None of that. I remember at the time, I just thought she's smart. She could go, she could do this, you know? And And a lot
0: of young women like us would have seen that and thought, oh, that's how I want to achieve in my life.
1: And also that was like compatible with what our experience had been up until that point. I mean, we we went to Bayview All Girls School. It's all about women emp- you know, empowering women, about getting educated, about being the best, about being this and that. Then we went to, you know, BC. Like everything in your mind up until that point is like you've got to get educated, you got to be smart, you got to succeed. And so she fit right into that for me in my psyche at the mm-hmm. time. So it never occurred to me to look at any of that as a negative. If you were smart, At that point in in my life, if you were if you were smart and you, you know, you weren't out there doing some crazy stuff or insulting people in a
0: terrible way or something, then you had my respect. Yeah. You know, no, that's how I felt at the time. I'm sure most young people would have felt that way. I think it was our parents generation that probably that wasn't exactly what they had in mind.
1: Right. Right. Because at the time I thought she's a leader. She's a thinker. She's an intellectual. That's cool. Mm -hmm. That's what. You know, that's what I've been around. That, that's fine. You know, like now I look at things a little bit more in a more comprehensive manner. I don't just look at their intelligence. I look at different factors. But at the time, it's like, that's enough for me unless you're doing something crazy or something right. I don't agree with or, or making some weird racist comment or, or right, homophobic right.
0: statement. Then you're good to go. You know? Yeah. She reflected well on him that he chose a strong woman who, you know, was his intellectual equal.
1: And I mean, oh, and like I said, I I thought the interview had a lot of substance. So it wasn't just all jokey, jokey. There was a lot of indications of what his, you know, what, what, what are the themes that are motivating him? What will he be working on? And I think it's appealing when you hear about a, you know, young president with fresh ideas talking about, you know, whether you're, it doesn't matter what political party you belong to, but when you hear something fresh like that, you know, like I'm going to increase jobs. You know, I'm going to focus on education. I'm going to focus on folks that are not necessarily college bound and I'm going to create paths for them. It, It all sounds great, you know, and it's all, you know, economy building.
0: So, yeah, overall, it was a win for them. And people, especially where people were kind of skeptical that this was a good idea to go on a late night show. I think he showed people that he knew kind of where it was at. One thing that we we notice when we're listening to the interview with Bill and Hillary Clinton on Arsenio is that, you know, this is obviously a time when the role of women has probably already changed, but it's, you know, becoming more and more common for, for women to have their own careers, and, and in the case of Hillary Clinton, certainly their own very strong identity, and it also happens to be a time when the role of women in the workplace is being evaluated and people are becoming more sensitive to things like sexual harassment doesn't you know it goes hand in hand if women are participating there then there's going to be conversations about what's acceptable behavior what is a, a toxic work environment you know what's um, unreasonably bullying within the workplace and and that results in a lot of discussion of sexual harassment around the time that we are in college. Mm-hmm. And I don't I don't believe I would have been aware of any sexual harassment policy at BC if there was one. I knew the words, but um, I wouldn't have thought that sexual harassment could have occurred in a classroom. I mean, I know that's somebody's workplace, but it didn't seem the normal situation. There's no, you know, t- stereotypical male boss and younger woman uh, colleague. It just doesn't exist. It's a different environment. I wouldn't have. And and who who would be harassed? The professor? Like it didn't seem relevant to me at the time. But I did have an incident. I was witness to an incident that uh, brought up very seriously the prospect of sexual harassment in a classroom. Very, very interesting, uh, even more so in retrospect. So the class was a required one for English majors. So it was a bunch of uh, word geeks. (laughs) (laughs) Relatively small class, not a lecture class, so say 20, 30 students. And because of the type of class it was, we had a very young instructor. I doubt that she would have been a full professor. It was a female instructor. And I, I had the feeling that this was maybe her first teaching gig, n- no problems whatsoever with her abilities, though. I, I learned a lot in that class, and I, I liked it a lot. But I did have a, a feeling that um, she probably didn't have that much experience. And that's an odd one, too, because I, I taught college for a little bit, as you know. And when you teach college, and you're a graduate student, you might only be four years older than your students. You may o- you actually could be only one year older, depending on you know how things go. But She was very, very close to our age. I think she probably was 25 and we were 19, 20, 21. Right. Mm -hmm. Only a few years. So we're rocking and rolling in in this class and people seem to be enjoying it. As a matter of fact, there's a student, a male student in the class who kind of develops a pattern of bantering with the professor. So, you know, she'll she'll express something that we need to be learning and he'll kind of shoot back with a, a joke. And... I don't know if you ever had that in a classroom, but it kind of makes it lively for the most part. You know, it makes it a little more enjoyable. It's having been a teacher, I can say that as long as the person is not, um, you know, interrupting all the time or or being too challenging, it it makes it easier for the instructor as well, because you're demonstrating that someone in this class is interested in the content and engaged enough to, to make some remarks, you know? Right. It does help to keep it moving for everybody else because then there, there's
1: more than one person that you can listen yeah. to if you're in the class it may, it keeps it moving for, you know, for, for other people in the class. Yeah.
0: if you've ever tried to teach anything, the number one issue you're going to have is, is anybody listening? Do they understand right. so that, you know, call and response type atmosphere, it, it can be helpful, but anyway, we're, we're enjoying it. And not, not, yeah, not, not to
1: mention like, you know, does anybody have any thoughts on right. Nobody raises their hand. Like you want, like it, it all comes into that. You don't want Bueller.
0: Bueller. <laughs> right. Hello. Here I am again. <laughs> now I wasn't, I'll be honest. I was not paying a ton of attention to what all this guy was saying and how frequently he was saying it. And I, I just knew he, he seemed to be interested in the class and it was fine with me, whatever he was joking about. So one day this teacher is teaching and, she tells us that she's not going to be there, say on Monday, say it's a a Friday and she's not going to be there on Monday. And it so happened that at the same time that she said this, there was a, a group on campus from Playboy magazine, and they were inviting female students to kind of audition or I don't know what you call that, try out for a place in the magazine off campus on that Monday. And it became a big, to do because a bunch of students protested that BC was allowing Playboy to kind of make this uh, invitation on campus. I don't know, really, if BC, how how they could have stopped it. I'm not sure how. Do we remember how that happened? Was it like a yeah. flyer? Or I remember it, flyers. Like, okay. Because that's how things were. Yeah, that's how things worked back then. It was like everything right. was on I a mean, flyer. I mean, it's impossible. What else would it be? They can't like stand in the quad and shout about this. So. Right. And I I do not <laughs> no believe internet. that BC would have let them like have a meeting about this. I, I can't imagine that. So, BC allowing it, did they allow some flyers to be posted? How are they supposed to stop that? But anyway, some students were protesting this and to the extent that they actually went to the um hotel where the interviews were happening and picketed and said that, you know, no no BC students should go and they sh- Playboy basically shouldn't be Putting themselves out there to college campuses because it wasn't just BC they were you know going for any college girls who wanted to do this mm-hmm. so this is happening I I vaguely remember this you know so if you're not involved in a protest yourself it might not seem that monumental but um, there was awareness anyway that that Playboy was around so this guy in the class chose to make as his remark oh you're not going to be there on Monday you're not going to be here on Monday are you going to go try out for the um, The Playboy spots. And I don't remember the teacher's response at all. Uh, I just quickly, uh, to my memory, the class just quickly moved on to laughed and and moved on. And the reason he would have said that,
1: do you think anybody?
0: Do you think anybody in the class was like, yikes, buddy, you went too far? I did not. Do you think anybody thought that? that? um, Opinion. I also okay. I'm gonna stop you. Was I'm a gonna stop you though. Clueless. You didn't have
1: that. Op- oh no, I didn't have the. Op- you didn't have that I didn't opinion have the then.
0: Observation that anybody looked shocked. I also did not think it was going okay. too far, but I didn't notice anybody else.
1: It's interesting, but now we're gonna fast forward to 2021. Right now, the Jamie of right now, you're in the same class, and somebody says that.
0: Well, I have to give the context a little bit too. I think um, mm-hmm. the teacher had said on several occasions it because it was relevant to the material that she was a feminist and there was a feminist school of literary criticism that we would study and she would you know give her background according to that so some of the remarks this guy made throughout the class had to do with i know you're a feminist but and so it was in sync with other things he had said is playboy like a trigger word yeah i get it uh but i didn't i didn't see it at the time would i see it now now i would i'm aware enough to at least know like woo danger 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 right don't say that Mm -hmm. but i don't know i i I would have felt like as an adult uh it was probably supposed to be an adult then too but as a fully grown old ass adult No, evolved,
1: a fully grown,
0: grown ass, and evolved adult.
1: I would have thought
0: (laughs) that's dangerous for him. Um, If she doesn't like him, she might give him a bad grade. That would have been my response, intellectually, mentally. As like as
1: of right now, that would have been your your. I would
0: have thought better not to have said that because if she takes offense, that could influence your grade. Right. No, that's true.
1: I just think in the times that we're living in, like right now, fast forward 2021 with, with all of the things that, that is out, you know, all of the opinions about anything that could, any remark that could be sexual deemed as sexual harassment. I would have thought that that was just a big mistake for him to say that huge, (laughs) like pretty woman. And that that he huge. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, yeah, I, 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 that's a, that, that, um, At the time, I probably would have blown it off, Jamie. And I would have thought that she was being, I'm assuming her reaction was not.
0: Well, her reaction in the moment, as I recall, was nothing at all. The class just went on. And like I say, I wasn't the most aware person at that point in my life. So she could have betrayed that she was offended and I didn't notice. But class went on. Next day, we come to class and to the shock and awe of all of us, she started class by saying that um, what the student had done, I guess maybe, maybe some people weren't shocked, but I was. What the student had done the day before was um, sexual harassment, and she said that she had taken time to discuss this with her husband, and that she came to this conclusion after the class, and that she felt that she needed to share this with everyone so that we were aware. And this was not a short intervention. My memory is that it went on for most of the class and the student was there. The guy, he was always there, the one who made the remark and Mm -hmm. just kind of cringing in his seat. I can remember feeling very awkward. So what was she saying for most of the class that it was
1: sexual harassment and that it should it should not happen, that these comments are unwarranted? And,
0: what um, you know, this was early days of sexual harassment. So she was kind of explaining why. It was a problem. In other words, it put her in a situation that she shouldn't have had to have been in and that he basically overstepped his position in the class uh, by making her feel ashamed or the recipient of an unwelcome advance, so to speak. And I don't recall. I'm sure she must have said something about and to others of you who may have been offended I want you to know that you had a right to be sort of thing. Okay.
1: Now, let's see if your 20-year-old or 19-year-old memory or if you can go back there and, and try to remember if you got the sense that anybody else in the class was offended or that they were like you, like totally like, what is going on here? Like, did you get any sense of what
0: people thought? Again, I don't trust how aware I was at that point. I know how I felt, which was I thought, don't you have some if that is sexual harassment and I'm willing to be educated here, 20 year old self. I thought, don't you have some responsibility for the fact that you encouraged this guy to be joking along similar lines this whole semester? I guess here's the
1: question. When you say similar lines, like comments that could have sexual overtones?
0: Not so much sexual, but poking fun at the idea that she said she was a feminist. So right. if I were to take that in but a that, non-sexual yeah. direction, it might be like, oh, you're not going to be here on Monday. Are you making a um, seven course dinner for your husband on your anniversary? You know, things that a feminist would not do sort of thing.
1: Do you think it would go? Cause I mean, it sounds like there was definitely some latitude there and that he felt like he could
0: say. Absolutely. That. Now,
1: Um, he still shouldn't have said it. (laughs) I mean, he still, it it is, it is, I think that the definition of sexual harassment ties in with any words or comments or actions that could make a woman feel or a man feel uncomfortable.
0: Yeah. I mean, any sex
1: with any sexual comments that would make a woman or a man feel the two
0: things that would give me pause as an adult, or like I say, grown ass adult now would be. I thought that sexual harassment was supposed to be repeated. I thought you were supposed to get a a warning, basically. I thought it had to be a pattern. Now, if she considered the whole back and forth all semester to be a pattern, she didn't say that. She only said this one comment. She did not acknowledge the whole back and forth that I recall. Right. And then I thought, I think now as an adult, I thought sexual harassment was supposed to affect the person in a lower power position negatively. And in a classroom... The teacher is the only one in a power position. Right. Right. But I guess if we look up the definition of
1: sexual harassment, it probably doesn't talk about that type of um, structure. Like, you know, I'm, you know, the boss or I have power over you financially. Those things can certainly create and, and, and promote that kind of, you know, um, ongoing pattern of sexual harassment. But it doesn't have to. Well, it's it. like
0: some companies will say we do not allow a supervisor to have a relationship with someone they're supervising. But we do allow two colleagues to be in a relationship, you know, people of equal level or different departments right. or something. They may say that you have to declare the relationship or they have some rules, but it tends to be that they only really object if the one person is supervising.
1: Right. No. And again, that does, if there's a power dynamic and then somebody is, sexually you know making sexual sexually inappropriate remarks or you know conveying that they're interested in you that then, then there's there's a problem there where the person who's on the receiving end of that feels like they have to either reciprocate or tolerate right. the comments because if if I don't and he's my boss or then I might lose my job so that 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 is definitely an element but I don't know that, that is necessary that it's a necessary component and what a story now i've got a Big problem with how the professor or the instructor, I don't know. Can we call her professor? Instructor decided to go about this huge problem. with it. Yeah,
0: I feel like first, is it really any is his comment really any worse than the humiliation she put on him after the fact? Mm, not sexual harassment, point. But some kind of humiliation, public humiliation.
1: It definitely was. And I'm not sure that that was appropriate. And I think that you mentioned that she mm-hmm. was young. And only perhaps a few years older than most folks in the class. I think that that, that played into her bad decision making as far as how she wanted to educate everybody about this and how she wanted to call attention to the problem. I, I think, first of all, that she should have consulted with somebody in a hot, in, you know, uh, her boss or her supervisor or somebody in, in the school administration to help her um, navigate this a little bit better. I mean, I, I think she could have had a conversation with a young man about his comment. I mean, he's not some kind right. of monster. There was a playful banter. She liked, She must have
0: liked him well enough. She encar- right? I, I remember she distinctly did. thinking, you encouraged this guy all semester.
1: Right. And so, you know, I think that she could have had a conversation with somebody else in the room if that would have made her feel better to just say, Perhaps you didn't realize the weight of Mm -hmm. of your words, but what you said made me uncomfortable. She could have had that conversation beforehand. Um, And if she so desired, she could have said, you know, something to the class. But I'm not really sure that that would have been necessary. I think the necessary part here would have been to confront him and say, your comments made me uncomfortable. Perhaps you didn't realize that they would. But it's, you know, this the, this type of behavior is right. viewed as sexual harassment and, and taking that opportunity to educate him along with somebody else in the room and just call it at that. But for her to then feel compelled to not do that and then say in a classroom setting, which I think is unprofessional, mm-hmm. that she talked to her husband about that. Your husband has nothing to do with your you know what happens in the workplace and in this instance the, the, her her classroom is her workplace right that's the I mean, whole that's where you know the
0: whole basis for this so is I,
1: this is a workplace right it, it, it's just as inappropriate as anybody else saying for me to say well I, you know if i had a problem at work for me to say well i talked to my husband last night would be completely inappropriate things have to be dealt with in the sphere yep. that you're in
0: you're in that that's your workplace that's your classroom go through the Well, those and I channels. think that's th- part of the Boundary cl- crossing that I felt, right, is that you probably had a relationship with this kid that was, I'm not going to say unprofessional, but it was more personal than normal in a classroom. And then when something goes wrong, you're again handling it through personal relationship channels, you know. And believe me, having taught myself at a young age in a college setting, I'm the last one to judge because I wouldn't have. I don't know what I would have done. Um, I do feel like there's a mixing of personal and professional in all aspects of this that makes it dicey. Absolutely.
1: And so she, in this instance, she was wrong, too. That's what I, what I see. And perhaps now I, I would love to Right. What her thoughts are now uh, whether she
0: handled that correctly, because in my opinion. And I also say, do not think that B.C. wanted her to handle it that way. If they'd have seen that, I don't think they would have right. been psyched. What would have happened?
1: If this gentleman, this young kid, went to the school administration and said, look, she took this comment the wrong way. I didn't mean it that way. She didn't even take it. Right. You know, she didn't even pull me aside to explain that I, I did something wrong. And she completely humiliated right. me in the classroom.
0: I don't think that no. would go over well for her. And now, I mean, I guess there were, there were witnesses to the comment. So it's not like he could, you know, spin it in a different way to make it sound less offensive. There were, we all heard it. So. That's not the case, but
1: mm-hmm. and he could have said, "I apologize. I didn't." And I think, based, you know, well, unless you have something different to add about him, it doesn't sound like you do. You haven't said anything about him that that seems like he would be like mean or or troublemaker. It sounds like he otherwise seemed to be a normal kid. He probably would have just said, "I'm really sorry." I didn't. I I think that if he knew that he offended her, he wouldn't have. I mean, he would have never said it if he thought that he offended her. It sounds like that that's what we're dealing yeah, with.
0: Yeah. And I think, I mean, he wasn't alone at that time, right? This was a time of dirty jokes or ethnic jokes. Mm-hmm. And you still could say to someone, oh, I was just kidding. And you can't say that today. You're not allowed to like make a Polish joke to a Polish person and say, ha <laughs> I'm just kidding.
1: Right, right. Certainly. And it, and it just, her reaction was very extreme I find it to be very extreme and not helpful.
0: I mean, the only thing that Um, you could say would be helpful is there, I'm sure there were other students like me who would never remember that comment if she hadn't called attention to it. And so were we educated to say, okay, that was offensive and have to watch out. Sure. There's a teaching moment there that occurred that, you know, made me more aware of, of people's feelings and the context for things and going over the line, but I don't know that it was worth humiliating someone. And also, like I said, I I couldn't accept it at face value because I really felt like she had a responsibility to say, I know I encouraged you all semester in this banter. Right. And
1: there was never a comment on her part that said, you know, sure, you guys have observed that she, he and I have a playful relationship, Right, he crossed the line. She never Definitely said that, not. right? No, because
0: the whole time I was waiting for that.
1: Right, just that one add-in. Like, certainly we've had a playful relationship, but in saying right. what he said, which has sexual overtones, when we talk about Playboy, we're thinking about mm-hmm. a naked woman. Okay, so this it, right away it's 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 a sexual thing that we're you know you know it was her. I, I think that she could have said you know we we've had a playful relationship, but what he said crossed the line, and that would have mm-hmm. been fine. But I don't think that it was necessary. I don't even think it was necessary for her.
0: What would you say about to do that in the classroom? uh, Okay, maybe somebody else in the classroom was offended and she needs them to know that she did address this with him and it's not going to happen again.
1: Well, then I would keep it brief. I would just say, you know, um, um, whatever his name was, I'll just say Mark. Mark made a comment and we discussed it and, you know. Explain to him that those comments would be deemed as sexual harassment. That I, you know, that I, you know, we discussed it, and I see that he didn't intend for it to be that way. But that's what it comes. That, mm-hmm. that's how it's seen, and that's how it's interpreted. And that really can't happen. And it's, you know, he and I have a, an, an understanding about that, and we want to make sure that yeah. everybody else yeah, that. understands. And that would have been fine. Five ten yeah. minutes. To- I mean, no no more than ten minutes. But what she did. This is what I think. I think she was so offended that what she did was revenge was a a form of punishment. Yeah, she was punishing him all Mm -hmm. all that whole hour. She was she was punishing him by making him suffer what she probably suffered. like she probably she probably completely humiliated her. Right. Right. And it was like, I'm going to get you. I'm going to get you. I'm going to I'm going to make sure I point this out. And she was mad. There was no question that she was really mad. And her anger is disproportionate to the crime. Her anger is the result of inexperience and not really a a good, not a sound understanding of all the issues. That's what I, that's what I see is somebody. And I wonder if today she would have acted differently and I can bet anything. Well, even
0: for self-preservation, I think you would today, you would get a dean or somebody involved. You wouldn't just go rogue. Correct. Absolutely.
1: That's all she would. She should have done is just say, "Look, had a problem. You know, perhaps this was not your intention, but I need to invite this gentleman here. <laughs> I'm not trying to scare you, but I want to make you aware that these comments. and and you know sometimes you've got to lay the line, but you don't have to. You don't have to destroy somebody. And it's what she was like. She may, She probably causes kid anxiety. Uh, yeah, I that. would think
0: so. And for the rest of us, speaking on so- behalf of somebody who was not offended, maybe should have been, but was not. That was just a very awkward and wasted hour of my life. You never forgot it? Yeah, I mean, but. You
1: never forgot it. And it's just, um, it was unnecessary. It was unnecessary. And, um, and wow, you know, (laughs) I bet you this kid probably watched himself the rest (laughs) of his life after that. That was it for him. No more sexually never, or, you know, anything that could be deemed (laughs) as, my God, not that kind of joke. So it's interesting. It's certainly interesting. I at that time in my life was not really um, how do I say this? I was not aware of the complexity of sexual harassment, like how that could really affect a woman on a day to day basis. I was just not. To me, it was like a non issue. Somebody harasses you, stand up for yourself, or or you know, just you know, like well, I didn't understand right. that it wasn't that easy, and and that it was a psychological torment, and that that it was much more complex than I ever could imagine. And the classroom
0: is I just really didn't know one, at least one individual there, the teacher. Mm -hmm. But other than that, we were not in a real workplace yet. Like we didn't get sexually harassed working at major video. Probably not. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And that's where,
1: and I worked at major video.
0: Do you remember that? (laughs) I, I didn't think you remembered that though. If nothing else, no more major video. It totally, I doesn't think I've exist. proven that I have the memory of an elephant in the course of this. Yeah, I
1: know you remember things that I like
0: that are just gone from this this memory bank.
1: But anyway, um, yeah, um, I was clueless about sexual harassment, and to me, it was like, suck it up. If you get sexually harassed, just deal with it. Like when people would say, you know, how traumatic it was, or. Like it just wasn't a real issue
0: because I wasn't a real woman yet. You didn't have the workplace experience to know what that could be.
1: Right. And to know and and to know that there are women who are subjected to this on a daily basis and have no real out, you know, because it's not as easy as just walking away. And it takes a lot of courage. Oh, absolutely. You don't know what kind of response you're going to get. And you Mm -hmm. can get blackballed by just about. Everybody and it it is I applaud those women who have stepped forward and gone that road because it's a hard road. And um, and unfortunately it's a prevalent problem Well and
0: you can understand Uh, why it was a hot issue then because we talked earlier about BC only starting to admit women in nineteen seventy. Same was going on in the workplace. You know, women were only a large numbers of women were only seriously career oriented in the seventies. So men had been alone for a long, long time. And mm-hmm. we're not accustomed mm-hmm. to uh, censoring themselves or paying attention to uh, how their decisions might affect women in a, um, a junior role. And so, of course, it blew up when, you know, lots and lots of women were in the workplace in the 80s. Absolutely. And it's it's like,
1: you know, it's been a slow, slow road. But hopefully, we have less and less instances of you know, sexual harassment, certainly a lot of big name players have mm-hmm. down, you know, have fallen from grace due to this type of behavior. And so we just have to continue to bring light to the to the to this subject. And, you know, and for those brave women who have who've gone that road, who filed that complaint, who've gone to the press, who've, you know, they've mm-hmm. been brave and it made a difference. But what a
0: story. What a story. Yeah, I thought it was a little interesting in light of what we've said about um Hillary Clinton's debut on the public stage and how she was viewed and just falls in line with a lot of other women's issues that were prevalent at the time. It does.
1: And with with Hillary, I mean, here you, you know, you've got somebody who, by you know, who probably at the time is perceived as being stronger and smarter than a man. You know, I mean, she's she's like Bill Clinton's right hand mm-hmm. person. You know, when he wants the best opinion, he's going to look to his wife. And so. To, to have her take on these, this type of, you know, important role and to like, you know, head projects in the White House, it must have been like, what are you doing? How come you're not baking, yeah. you know, cakes and cookies and stuff? You know, that's what people were used to seeing. Right, right. And so that must have really been like, what are you doing? You're, you're overstepping. I'm not, we're not used to this. And so there's a lot, there was a lot that, that women had to contend with back then. What did you are we ready to discuss uh yeah
0: the next guest yeah Terry Gar who's so sweet
1: yeah i'm like not as interested in her really
0: um interesting
1: yeah i've never really been super interested in her although i i don't know enough about her i mean i know you know i've seen her in in certain things like in Tootsie and i forget well, what else she's i've seen another
0: her another sagittarius
1: so hmm. she leads
0: with a smile Really sweet, right?
1: Yeah, you can see that.
0: And she was, you know, and she uh,
1: and she was really nice about supporting Arsenio's decision to, you know, have that sit down with Mayor Bradley.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, after the L.A. riots. And she said she, you know, he did a great job. And so that was cool.
0: Now, here is something you might you might know because I know you do your research, but you might not know. Did you pick up on anything to do with the fact that she comes on with a sprained ankle? Yes, I I saw
1: that she came on with a sprained ankle and there was a little bit of back and forth, you know, talk about that. But I don't I don't I don't recall any other info on that.
0: So this is 1992 and she has a little ace bandage on her foot and Arsenio asked her about it. She says she quickly says she fell down some stairs and he says something along the lines of like, what is it with you? You know, now I'm thinking of it every time you come on here. You have some little injury or illness. And she makes a funny comment. She says, um, well, usually it's a mental illness. You know, it's kind of funny. And she moves on real quick, right quick to some other topic. Mm-hmm. And the fact is that um, 10 years later, she announced that she had multiple sclerosis. Oh. And it affected her ability to perform in, even in the 90s. And some of the symptoms of that are double vision, blindness in one eye, muscle weakness, trouble with sensation or coordination. So I'm guessing that she was falling a lot. Wow. That's sad
1: to hear. I wonder how I she's doing today and how she's, you know, contending with those symptoms. It, it's usually kind of a progressive disease.
0: I know. I I checked into that. And unfortunately, multiple sclerosis comes with a five to 10 year shorter life expectancy. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't all sunshine and rainbows for her after this, like, Arsenio comments on the ring that she has, which maybe is an engagement ring. And she does get married the next year, uh, but it only lasts three years. And as of today, uh, when I found pictures of her, she is in a wheelchair and she's still smiling. So, you know, that's a good thing. Right. But she does. But, have, she needs a wheelchair to get around. Yeah. And I'm not surprised because if you're already falling, assuming that is correct, what I'm kind of piecing together there in the 90s, you know, this is now 30 years later and. That doesn't have a great treatment. It doesn't, unfortunately.
1: Wow, I, I had no idea. I
0: had no idea. Actually, she has exactly my mom's birthday, so I won't disclose to you how old that makes her. But you know my mom, and so mm-hmm. <laughs> my mom is not somebody you would expect to see in a wheelchair. So, right. Oh, I didn't realize that.
1: Yep yeah, it was it was a pretty short interview, so there wasn't that much said.
0: Yeah, the it's interesting. took that most it, of the time.
1: But yet again, it's interesting when we do when we've done these podcasts and we talk about things that they they're revealing during the interview, and then we because we have that crystal ball again, mm-hmm. where we can look into the future, and it's it's interesting how things just make sense, you know, like her having that injury and then the likelihood of this being probably because of poor coordination
0: due to her disease, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's very likely. I remember too, um, Jay likes her a lot as an actress and. At some point in the early 2000s, he said, like, whatever happened to her? I I enjoyed her in, in films like what she hasn't been in anything for a while. And obviously that was why. Right.
1: Yeah. She. I mean, she's pretty good. Yeah. Good comedic, you know, timing and all of that. She's stuff.
0: kind of uh, like a Goldie Hawn almost. type.
1: Yes. Yes. That's, that's exactly right. That's what she and, and she did great in Tootsie. And I've seen her in other stuff. I just can't remember right now, but I've seen her in, uh, in other things.
0: Yeah, she was on an HBO show at the time of this interview. Yes,
1: with George Hamilton.
0: Yeah, she talked about him a little bit.
1: Yeah, she said it was enjoyable to work with him. I haven't seen him. I don't I know, know anything about him. I think he him.
0: must be quite old now.
1: Yeah, I agree. I wonder if he still has that black beauty mark.
0: <laughs> he has a black beauty mark?
1: Yeah, I think so. Like right. I just noticed
0: his- he always had an unnatural tan. <laughs> maybe I'm getting confused because of his role. No, he on probably that, does.
1: Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah, he has he has a nice skin tone and everything or used to. And I thought he had a, a beauty mark. I don't know <laughs> if it was makeup from that Dracula movie that he did. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm thinking, like, am I just, you know, making that up or thinking that he has a beauty mark when he really doesn't?
0: So they both uh, Hillary Clinton and Terry Garr both complimenting Arsenio on his uh, show during the Rodney King riots and that is actually the next show that we watched in preparation for this episode. We had to watch it online because it's not really preserved anywhere and it's kind of unique.
1: It is and I have to tell you um, I don't know the whole body of his work. I haven't seen every single interview that he's ever done but if I were Arsenio, of all the things that I've ever done that this, this would be the one thing that that I'd be the most proud of, as far as him putting his neck out on the line and saying, "You know what? this might hurt me. people might talk smack about me, my ratings might go down, but I'm gonna use tonight's time frame to sit down with with folks and talk about what happened in l a you know that that was that
0: i that was a risky decision risky and especially since it's in real time like Right. He has basically a few hours to figure out whether he should do this at all, because it's kind of dangerous for people coming in and out of Paramount Studio. Who he can pull on the show because he has guests lined up, but some of them cancel and some of them are not like the most appropriate people for this type of show. We'll get to that later. Um, and he somehow manages to get Mayor Tom Bradley. Which was
1: great. It was good to see what he was. He was quite authentic. I thought he was very sincere about all of the actions he's been taken. And he was, you know, he said, these are the two hardest, diff- most difficult days of my life. Yeah. And, you know, I, I thought it was very insightful. And I, and it, it's interesting to get that history lesson again of what was happening and what was, who was the president at the time? We know the president was Bush and what did he do? And, you know, he he actually was sympathetic and took it to a federal case. Right. Right. And I I honestly did not know that detail. So it was good to to find out that that was the case, that he was that the Justice Department was going to investigate any violations and that he also was enraged. I mean, it was kind of even to this day, I still don't understand what happened and why the verdict was what it was. I I still don't understand how a video, how how we could rationalize away the content of what that video showed us, which was just...
0: Violence. If you believe that woman who stood up in the audience, what did you think about her? The woman who spoke the, um, Yeah, I think she was the only woman who spoke. Yeah, I
1: think she was. Um, I, I think that she was just bubbling inside like she she was just fed up and she wanted to scream at someone. And the only thing I, 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 I was fine with her comments. The only thing is that she was screaming and it looked like she was screaming at Mayor Bradley. And I'm, or
0: Arsenio uh, or. or I've, I've, yeah. Yeah. I'm not really sure who, who she was screaming at, you know, because what I, she you know, was she, saying was how how is it that this had to go to another community, this uh, trial and, you know, that we couldn't trust the people of our community to make this important decision? Yeah, no, I agree with that. And
1: it's just reflective of, you know, it, it just what does that what's the message there? You know, it's another community, mostly white jury, two ex-cops on the on the jury. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I, I don't know if these things would happen now. Probably not. They, they would probably be a lot more care as far as, you know, where, you know, where a case gets transferred to and how, I don't know, I would like to think that things would be different, Um, but it was, it was tough, but it was, I, I enjoyed the show. You know, what confused me was Lou Reed. <laughs> no
0: kidding. <laughs> I don't
1: understand. <laughs> We're walking on the wild side was going to, it seemed really inappropriate. Like, can't we sing something else? I don't know. I would have been fine with like, I don't know, somebody else like Joan Baeza. Well, no, I she's know. dead, right? I, I don't no, know. No, she's she not dead.
0: Oh, she's not dead. I'm so sorry, Joan Baez. No, she looks great, as a matter of fact. But
1: All right. Like somebody a little bit more sort of socially, like, I could see that. I could understand if you pick some kind
0: of civil rights type,
1: you well, know, that people associate where- with
0: her. We go back to the fact that he had certain guests planned and some of them were there. And I believe that Lou Reed was one of the guests planned because he even had um, kind of a special guest in his band. Did you notice that guy? He called him little Jimmy, something
1: Um, singing in a
0: high voice like on the wild side. Yes. Yes. (laughs) I liked it. (laughs) So the fact he had that guy, Made me think, like, he didn't just show up with this guy. Like, this was a planned uh, performance. Right. And I totally agree that The Wild Side is a very weird song. and it doesn't is have not, anything to do with, yeah. It's <laughs> not for everybody. Matter of fact, it was, like, nearly banned when it came out.
1: Oh, yes. I didn't realize what the content. I, I never really analyzed what the word said, because I was confused by this guest. So I looked at the lyrics of the song and I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, no, no, this is even more confusing now.
0: <laughs> it's like, the why is thing, he on the show? <laughs> the only thing I can think, and maybe I'm taking it too far as a former English major, but I've always thought about that song. Like, either you look at it as exposing people to transgender or uh, gay culture, maybe, There's actually some people that say it's anti-trans, but leave that aside for just a moment. Mm -hmm. Or if you think if you try to think of like the larger context, I think it's I've always thought it's about a city and life in a city is a lot more exciting and wild and also dangerous. Like because of that, because it's not small town America, it's going to shock you. It might hurt you at times. And I think I might. I might have a reasonable interpretation, because if you think earlier in Arsenio, Mark Wahlberg was on and he had a song called Wild Side. Yeah. And he talked about um, stuff that happened in Boston that was, Mm -hmm. you know, out of line and dangerous in a lot of cases. So in that respect, I think it maybe is not the worst possible song, because we are talking about a city that is alive and vibrant and multicultural. And because of that, you do get incidents that are frightening. Right.
1: Well, yes. When you put it that way, I mean, you can always find some kind of twist. It just,
0: it just seems bizarre to me. <laughs> it did. That song is hard to take and old. It's not like it would have been on the tip of everybody's tongue. Right.
1: And I don't, I mean, I, I think that there's some definitely a lot of validity in what you're saying as far as making that connection. But it's like, okay, I mean, you kind of have to think deep on that one. (laughs) Right. You know, it's like, it, it just, it was, it was weird, but it was fine. I mean, I was fine with the, I mean, at least he had a little bit of music in there. That's fine. Um, Yeah. You
0: probably did think, you know, we can't talk the whole night and this guy is here. And, uh, I wonder
1: though, Jamie, since you've done a bit of research on this, whether he was the only guest willing to show up.
0: There might have been some people who said, no, I. Yeah, he said at the top that he lost some of his guests due to the dangerous situation. And I think one oddball person who was there was Meshack Taylor. I'm guessing he was probably a guest because that is not someone I would invite to comment on a very serious incident. He's not that well known. he, He was quite eloquent, though, right? That's right
1: but I, I, don't, I don't. I don't know him very well. I mean, I just know I've seen him on Designing Women. That's right. it. I know
0: nothing else about this man.
1: I just and, feel but, like
0: if you were thinking of people to invite for their um, kind of gravitas, that would not be the one.
1: <laughs> no, not him. And he's not
0: really that well known. Like people no. don't.
1: I mean, some people do know him if you're a Designing Women fan, but otherwise, you're. So you're I like, figure he that? was
0: probably a, a guest lined up
1: mm-hmm. for the regular show. Yeah. I think that's probably right. Now Edward James almost was okay, like he, you know, but then like he kind of lost me at the end. Why like, did I'm he like, look so wet? <laughs> it's, it's, I guess he he must use like gel to style his hair, and it's like slicked back. I mean, back then he wore his hair like that a lot. I yeah, think it if looked he got like he older, just got out less. of shower. Yeah, and then Sean Penn, who's everywhere. I don't think he
0: said a word. He just brought a nerdy guy that spoke. Yeah, I think
1: maybe he has his heart in the right place. I'm not a huge Sean Penn. Fan. No, I know
0: he seems to pop up all
1: over the place. And pop out when sure. you don't want him. Like, right. what are you doing here? Like, okay, <laughs> and why are you talking to? Hello, why are you talking to President Chavez? Like, what's that know. about?
0: And, or and, El Chapo was he involved? Yeah, with like El Chapo? why?
1: Yes, like why are you there again? Like, I just feel like, <laughs> like, who do you think you are exactly? <laughs> the Messiah or, you know, sorry, Sean Ben. I'm I'm sure you're nicer than that. You know, I'm just, I don't know you, but it just, it kind of comes off a little bit weird sometimes.
0: I His think intervention. There was a, yeah, I know. It, you don't know if it's about him.
1: Yeah, it, it just feels weird. And then you don't say anything. It would have been helpful if you actually said something while you were on the show. It's no, I kind of seem to have
0: brought a weird nerd that Arsenio, right. That was strange. Like he was, he was
1: intent on like, let this guy's talk. Yeah. I mean, I suppose we could give him credit. He probably feels right. like, you know what? I don't have that much of a, uh, I don't know, social perspective or, you know, I don't have the, the information. Expert. This guy, and this guy's an expert. And I think we would all benefit from that, but then it would be helpful if you said that. Introduced him. Right. Like, I don't even
0: know who the nerd was. <laughs> <laughs> Come
1: on, Sean, you can do a little better than that.
0: But I, I heard do you're think kind of shy, though. Well, it also could be that we're missing parts of this because it's online. It seems not 100% intact. And I read that what was kind of well known about this episode was that Edward James almost told people on the show that the next day he was going to go out and clean up after the riots and that if you wanted to join him, that you could. And did and, he in fact do that? He did. And it was a big deal. Like a lot of people showed up. And that was one case where Arsenio felt like his show served as a kind of Twitter because it was in the moment. Edward James almost said he was going to do this thing. And then, you know, miraculously, people of all shapes, sizes, colors, whatever, showed up and helped him clean up. Yeah, no, I th- I think if I were him, looking back
1: at the body of my work, I'd be most proud of that show. And what I did there, because what I did there was was unique It was historic that people are going to look back at that and say, you know what? He was the one the one entertainer that kind of, you know, was not afraid to to have guests on and and had this whole community approach. I think what he did was remarkable. I mean, if if, if I looked back, I would be really proud of that. And he was fearless because honestly, some people that could have really worked against him.
0: Yes, definitely, because he's he's not. I'm not going to say trained, but he's that's not his he's not Phil Donahue. No, there's no no background that he has that makes him a natural for that.
1: But what worked here is just a natural interest, empathy and just the human connection. That's all it was about, really. The human Mm -hmm. connection. Let's talk this out. He didn't. I just really kind of, you know, admire the fact that he was just willing to talk it out. And almost as if he was inviting all these people to his house for dinner. And we were just all talking it out. He even had his pastor there.
0: He ended with a prayer. I mean, really, he it was great. It was great. Um, I felt more proud for him on the second viewing. On the first viewing, I was like, okay, so we have Sinbad, who's not super intellectual. We have Walk on the Wild Side, which is weird. And Meshack Taylor, like maybe this is not The best group of people (laughs) to be discussing this. (laughs) But on second viewing, I was like, you know what? He got Mayor Tom Bradley. So that was really the number one person you could have to talk about this. And the woman in the audience, you know, clearly benefited by being able to voice her thoughts. So it was, you know, it was a little messy, (laughs) but overall, it was good. I think
1: the messiness, the imperfection is what made it good. That it was not this like you know sophisticated highly planned situation. We had an emergency.
0: Right. We had
1: a social political whatever you want to call it emergency, and he rose to the to the to the the opportunity. He 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 said, "Let's do something. Let's do something spontaneous, as if anything crazy happened right now. And we just all went out and protested, or all went out and voiced our concerns. That's exactly what he did. It was a community meeting.
0: Yes, it was, and
1: it was authentic and, in that way. Yeah. And and I, I think that that's what made it special. Had it been, you know, uh, highly organized or, or, you know, then it would have been like, is he looking for an opportunity here? Is he trying to...
0: Yeah, I, I for sure. I like that it was, I yeah, that it was you just would casual. Be, you would be giving him a lot of slack anyway because it's in an emergency. He opts to do a show. He pulls something together. So, you know, there's a lot of... Uh, I don't want to say grace period, but there's a you, you allow him a lot of um, liberties in what he does, what he is able to put together because he doesn't have a lot of resources or time.
1: No, he, he didn't. And I
0: think a lot of stars probably reached out to him privately and said, what you did was great. You know, can I just tell you one really strange thing I read on research? Sure. So that guy, the little guy who sang take a walk on the wild side. He was old, right? <laughs> he must have been like in his 60s. I think he was even older. Um, I kind of was... liked it.
1: I mean, it was kind of like that old, I don't know, you, you kind of felt like if I walked into like some, I don't know, rural club or something like that, that I would find right. somebody like him singing. So it was kind of cool.
0: But what so about he, him? What about him? He had a career and he was down and out for a while. And then I think people like Lou Reed rediscovered him and he ended up Toward the end of his life, like recording new stuff. And it was basically a, a good story for him. But awesome. He had, but he had a weird disease that I've never heard of called Kalman syndrome. And this disease meant that he never really went through puberty, which is why his voice was so high. And he wasn't like the most manly looking guy. No, and he wasn't. The reason, yeah. no, the reason they called him Little Jimmy Scott was that for his early career, he was under five feet tall. Now, get this. This is what I feel so compelled to tell you. A feature of this syndrome is that you can grow later in life. So at age 37, he grew eight inches. Isn't that wild? That's a bizarre disease. Can you imagine being 37 and growing eight inches?
1: Yeah, that's weird. Like, and then what, people see you like, what the hell did you do? <laughs> yeah. What the hell kind of <laughs> hormone did you take? Um, but but Wow. Uh, that's interesting about the voice that's a yeah who would have thought that i would have never thought that there was a big story behind that i would just yeah no that's his voice and that's it
0: i don't know what prompted me to look him up i guess it was just that i thought like i said before this had to be pre-planned this little guy did not just show up randomly on the night of the la riots like he i'm pretty sure lou reed wanted to have this performance with this guest right you mean because of the situation no, because he, Lou Reed, I think had a new album and he probably put a lot of thought into, you know, how he hadn't been popular for a while. So how how am I going to come back and what kind of an interesting performance can I give to get people's attention just as a guest, not as a guest right. on the night of the riots. And it worked because it did make it more interesting to have him there singing that part of the song for sure. Yeah. Yeah, it was good. And I learned about Coleman syndrome. So, you know, I'm and 50. How do you spell maybe that, there's still the a chance that I'll grow eight inches. That would be cool. I know. Same here. <laughs> <laughs> um, so how do you spell that? K-A-L-L-M-A-N.
1: Oh, interesting. Never heard it's of either, it.
0: It's either, you know, or an interesting thing or maybe somebody just put nonsense on Wikipedia that I believed. No, I'm sure it's <laughs> not nonsense. I'm sure
1: it, it's really this, the case. Oh, my gosh.
0: Well, something was up with him. That was an interesting looking dude.
1: Yeah. Because it it took me a while to even figure out, oh, he's a, it's a man. Right. You know, like there was a 30 second like confusion there. But uh, yeah, no, interesting show. And like I said, if our scene, I hope that Arsenio is proud of the fact that he, he did what he did at the time.
0: I would think he would be. Yeah. Now, unfortunately, as far as I know, it's only on YouTube and, you know, crappy video. It's unfortunate that it's not preserved, but. Right. I know. I wonder what was in the, in the middle of
1: that. You know of that show there. You right. know who else talked? Maybe maybe Sean Penn did say something, and here exactly. we are
0: dissing him. <laughs> exactly. All right. So in the past, we've had a, a mention of our Twitter account, which is at Podsenio, which I think is a pretty clever name, if I do say so myself. <laughs> and what we do there is we've posted some graphics, one for each, one or more for each um, podcast. About the guests or some things that were said. And we're hoping that you visit that and uh, retweet those uh, graphics. And a couple reasons we want to do that. First reason, we'd like to know if you're listening. We have some stats and we know (laughs) we've got listeners in places like Zimbabwe and Poland and all kinds of cool places. And if you'd like to just show us that you're listening, it'd be great to see some retweets on there. And, you know, I don't know how you feel, Natalie, but I'm thinking that if we get evidence that some folks are listening I might be able to talk you into doing a second season maybe
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I know that would motivate me as a podcast listener I always if I find one I like I always want more so yeah absolutely that's one reason let's keep it coming
1: Zimbabwe I never th- that wouldn't have crossed my mind that somebody in Zimbabwe I know. would be
0: listening thank you Lindner. I know. too bad it's not Zamunda right <laughs> <laughs> yeah. coming to America But the other reason is a non-selfish reason. Uh, We think that Arsenio could be uh, in the running to replace Ellen. And not too long ago, there was a hashtag going around, hashtag replacements for Ellen. So if you have enjoyed our podcast, if you feel like Arsenio deserves that chance, we're going to encourage you to retweet with that hashtag replacements for Ellen. Uh, You might even tweet at the Ellen show or at Arsenio. Uh, just to let them know what's what you're trying to do, and we would feel like we really accomplished something if you did that.
1: That would be so awesome. And never mind if our if our senior listens to us. I think like that would be it. Like,
0: forget it. Like, you know, that would be almost like a little mini dream right. come true. <laughs> it would. So help two girls out, will you? I mean, we don't ask much. We put a lot of love and care into this. <laughs> 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 We found the recording of the Green Line train on freesound.org. Thank you to Craig Hagen. This concludes our broadcast day.